Hello and welcome to Weep Spawn. We talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. Glad to be doing another episode. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Dead Island, the first game. And as always, spoilers ahead. Yeah, so Dead Island, as the name might suggest, is a zombie survival RPG that focuses on a free roam, or focuses on free roam, character classes, and melee combat, and it takes place on an island. The game was released on September 6th of 2011, so almost exactly 10 years ago, um, based on the release of this episode, just a little bit, a little bit more than 10 years ago. And it was developed by the Polish game studios Techland and published by Deep Silver. Techland is probably best known for their popular game Dying Light, which is very similar to Dead Island in game mechanics, but it is very heavy focus, but it has a very heavy focus on parkour. Yeah, Dying Light was or Dying Light was made after Dead Island, but they're a little more popular from Dying Light. The multiplayer aspect of Dead Island even the Dying Light series led to very positive reviews and allowed for a great experience with friends. But that's not the only positive review they received. Praise was also given to them based on their characters, their gameplay, and the overall atmosphere of the game. But you can't have a little bit of praise without a little heat as well. The negative reviews leaned towards frequent glitches, the graphics, and the lack of impact the game had on the player. There just wasn't enough emotion in the game. There was some insensitive content found within the game as well that had a pretty negative impact after the game's release, and this had to do with some comments within their code when some players dug into it. They had some pretty insensitive stuff, as well as some culturally inappropriate things regarding trophies that you could receive in the game. So it, there was some there was some heat on it, but overall, the players enjoyed the game with over 5 million copies sold, and this allowed for the development of Dead Island Riptide, a few spin-off games, and Dying Light 1 and 2, as well as the Dead Island series getting remastered relatively recently, and they released it for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and the PC. Dead Island 2 was in development for quite some time, but this was eventually scrapped for reasons not quite known. And I'm very upset about that because I was really excited to get another um, addition to this franchise. But that never happened, unfortunately. But in place, we got Dying Light. So, mm-hmm. not, uh, not a bad trade-off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I would definitely take Dying Light over the Dead Island series since this was kind of the catalyst for Dying Light to get where it's at. So if I had to choose one over the other, Dying Light is where I'd go. And sadly, Dying Light 2 just got delayed. To yeah. It, oh, gosh, fourth. I'm always so indifferent when the games are delayed. Like, obviously, I want them to be delayed if it means a better product. But I almost just... It's almost painful because you're like oh it's getting so close and then a few months prior they're like yep we're pushing it back and it's just such a difficult thing to handle because it's like i want the game but i want it to be good at the same time it's always rough yeah but we're not here to talk about dying light too so before we go too far in tangent <laughs> let's bring ourselves back to dead island and in case you haven't played the game takes place on the fictional island of Benoit, where the player wakes up in their luxurious resort to find out that an infection has run rampant through the hotel overnight. While it seems that all hope is lost, there happens to be a small group of survivors living on the beach that could use your help to take back the island. The player must complete mission, upgrades upgrade weapons and skills, and even team up with friends to take on missions and defeat hordes of zombies that are running throughout the island. Yeah, it's really, it's just a really fun overall zombie game. Like, I, they just did it really well compared to a lot of other zombie games out there. And one thing they did really well is the choice of characters. So when you start the game, you have a choice between one of four playable characters. 
There is Sam B, who specializes in blunt objects. I might say this wrong, but there's Jian Mei, who specializes in sharp weapons. Logan Carter, who specializes in throwable objects. And Perna Jackson, who specializes in firearms. And this is a pretty important decision in the game because you have to determine how you want to play the games right from the beginning. Choosing the wrong character will cause you to play with a slight disadvantage later in the game. So if you decide, oh, I'm going to go firearms, and you're playing throughout the game, and you realize that you're always using sharp weapons, you just gave yourself a disadvantage for not choosing Xi'an Mei. So it's it's one of those things that, overall, it's something you can get over. You can change the way you play. It doesn't really make that big of a difference. But you will have an advantage if you choose the person that will be more suited to your play style. It also gives you different reasons to play throughout the game. Because I know when this first came out, and there was a lot of people choosing different like characters, and like each one kind of had its own place a lot of people said like if it's your first time playing like do sam b because you'll run into a lot of blunt weapons early on and with his abilities to like increase blunt weapon damage or increase the durability and stuff it was very good to help have an early beginning but then later on you end up not necessarily swapping over to firearms but you get a lot more guns later on where perna that's where she shines is late game to where like she has stuff that helps reload helps get ammo and stuff like that and same with uh jen may with her sharp weapons you get that kind of like mid game and then uh logan who specializes in throwable objects you find them sporadically throughout it's yeah, up for grabs if you really want to play Logan. I thought there would be a lot more throwable weapons, but honestly, there's not. And even when you do get them, they're not anything special to where it was like, yeah, don't pick him. Out of like all of them, don't pick him. <laughs> uh, I think Jin Mei is probably my overall favorite just because I always like the machetes because they had a lot more... If I remember correctly, they had a lot more versatility with, like, the different mods you can do versus, like, blunt weapons and then firearms, obviously, keeping ammo and stuff. But, like, each character, you could it doesn't matter really who you play. Like you said, it will give you kind of, like, slight disadvantages throughout, like, later on if you end up picking Sam B, but you find, like, you only end up finding good sharp weapons like machetes and stuff that you could have benefited more bonuses from if you chose someone else, but it comes down to like RNG and stuff like that, but it won't impact it to where if you pick Perna Jackson and never use a firearm, it's not like you won't be able to beat the game. It's just, you'd beat the game a lot easier if you use their Mm -hmm. specialties. Yeah. That's, that's really what it comes down to because like you said, it seems like throwable weapons would be, really beneficial to have but like you said they just aren't something that you really come by like you can throw any weapon but at the same time you don't want to throw your machete because then you just lost your machete you better have a good backup so when it comes down to this my typical choices involved either choosing sam b or jian mei because i find that blunt or sharp weapons fit my aggressive play style so the bonus of using those characters just work out well. Plus, I find that with this game, it's much easier just to come across melee, like you were saying, than to come across those throwable weapons and firearms. And I feel like firearms are just definitely late game things. You don't really get the ammo that you need or the, the gun itself that early on. So that's definitely one of those choices that you choose for beating the game easier later on. So my my strategy is more short-sighted early game advantage, whereas the other two players are seem a little more far-sighted late game advantage players. My main goal, have an easier time in the beginning of the game so I can collect materials, obtain blueprints, and gain skill points, and just craft weapons that'll help me last longer later in the game. Where I'd say these two characters probably have the smallest learning curve as well, 
and they're just easier to play. So I'm a very short-sighted player when it comes to that point. So by the time I get to late game, I want to have enough skill points and strength in weapons just to brute force my way through the rest of the game. Which is totally a viable option because, I mean, like you said, you're constantly always picking melee weapons. You don't have to worry about ammo and all this stuff. Um, I don't remember what skill Perner Jackson gets, but I just remember she had something that pretty much made her like OP kind of towards the end, whether it was like a small chance to get ammo back or she can craft her own ammo or something that basically let it so you didn't have to worry about ammo. So you could just fire off your gun whenever. But like you said, you didn't really get firearms or any good firearms until late game. So you kind of had a struggle early. But then once you got to that or you got that skill, it was pretty much a breeze. So it was like, depending on how you picked it, you chose. That's all I really remember from a few Mm -hmm. things is I just remember when I watch people, a lot of people pick Perna because of the late game stuff. Yeah, which makes sense. It just kind of it really comes down to the player and what they're best at. And once you finally decide to pick what character you're going to be, now the game will officially start. So you'll start off with a cutscene of a party with many drunk people having a good time. As the cutscene goes on, we get introduced to each of the playable characters and then eventually pass out. We wake up the next morning to find that the hotel has been abandoned. Walking around, we find empty suitcases and eventually... Finally, we run into the zombies. Voice over the hotel comm system directs us to the exit as we are escaping the horde. Once we reach the end, we are knocked out by a zombie. We wake up to find that we have been rescued by a group of survivors and we are holed up in a lifeguard shack. But it's not completely safe. The shack is completely surrounded by zombies and now we have to kill them before we can leave and obtain our missions. Securing the shack opens up the map and allows us to perform missions for the survivors as well as explore the island. But the most important mission is to get the radio tower working so we can signal help from the outside. Yeah, just like typical RPG style games, you're left with a multitude of quests to choose from. Uh, Rather it be helping out some survivors, getting some lost items, or just passing buy all the side quests and going straight for the storyline. You have that versatility with this game. Obviously, doing those side missions will give you more history on the lore, more character developments involved in the game, and just give you more opportunities to get blueprints and other supplies to help you later in the game. So following the main storyline, once you manage to save the lifeguard uh, from the attack, you are then tasked with helping survivors move from, from this lifeguard shack to a more secure lifeguard tower and this is surrounded by fences and it's a legitimate building it's not just some bungalow on the beach so it is definitely more safe so as you access the radio tower you try to call for help however not everything is really working properly it needs to be fixed and we need to boost the radio signal to call for help because we're just getting a deadline So we kind of need to collect some resources, and this, again, it deals with food and water. We need to get some gasoline to burn some bodies because it's going to attract more zombies, and just some other essentials to keep us all alive. But really, we're doing a lot of missions of fetching items right now because we need to survive, and that's the best way to do it. Because everyone knows when the zombie apocalypse happened the first thing you need to do is get supplies whether it's medicine food whatever so you can kind of hold up in your area to either outlast or at least survive enough so you can arm up to move on to the next location and after we've gone through a few quests of trying to procure supplies we realize the island just doesn't have enough resources to continuously keep the needs in check So, luckily, when we're off doing whatever mission we need, the lifeguard has been, like, 
in this tower, constantly fiddling with the radio, trying to get a hold of somebody. And we finally get a breakthrough. We get some chatter, and we realize now we need to go back to the hotel, which is where we started in the very beginning, and arm ourselves with a heavy-duty truck. I think the lifeguard realized there was something here. I forget who, but they basically said we need to get an armored truck if we want to get past this like section we're at. Otherwise, the zombies are just going to eat us up. And we slowly make our way to the hotel where a still alive security guard is watching us and is helping us find our way through the parking garage and finally securing the vehicle to take back to the tower. Once we have our vehicle, now we need to reinforce it. So if you've ever seen like Dawn of the Dead or whatever where they really pimp out that bus to escape, that's <laughs> pretty much what's going on here. And luckily enough, there is still a mechanic around that will upgrade our vehicle on two conditions. First, we need to defend this place as the noise will draw in all the undead in the area. And the second is to take his daughter with him. So, after the upgrade is complete, we find out that he has been bitten and he wants us to take his daughter to Shin with us. Reluctant at first, we finally agree to take her as we... No, we have to secure a means to travel to get to the nearby area, Moresby. Yeah, we're we're kind of just like the good Samaritans of this island. Where we just agree to help everybody. We're I don't really understand why we're so willing to help. I mean, this one is a little more reasonable because we're getting a tricked out truck that's gonna withstand every zombie attack. So this one's a little more reasonable, but. We're basically helping everybody as we go. So we get to this new town of Moresby. And upon arrival, we are greeted by the sound of church bells. Like, this is a lovely little place. But we're a little suspicious of these church bells. But that should also mean there are survivors. So our heroes head to the sound of these bells and find that the church is being attacked by a swarm of undead. Go figure. I don't know why we would expect anything different. So after killing all of these zombies, we managed to get the keys or get inside and get the keys to stop the church bells. We open up the electrical panel and turn it off. So now that it's quiet, we should be in a remotely quiet place that won't attract any more zombies. We should be fairly safe, right? So we secure the location and we ask Mother Helen if she has any supplies to share. But before we can get an answer, she informs us that their water supply has been cut off and asks if we can fix it. So, of course, we accept and we go out and we fix the water supply and bring it back on. And then we find out that they don't have any supplies to share. So that was kind of shady, Mother Helen, but whatever. <laughs> So she then tells us that if we travel by the sewer, we can get to the rich part of town because the rich people blew up the bridge to keep the infected out, but also to keep the outsiders out and not take their supplies. So this sewer is our only way in and that's our only chance for supplies. So we really don't have any options but to go into the smelly sewers and pop out on the other side and hope that they're willing to greet us with open arms. But let's be real. Do anyone ever greet us with open arms? No. Especially in apocalypse. <laughs> no one ever greets us with open arms. <laughs> Besides Mother Helen, of course. Because she still needed supplies because she <laughs> yeah. had none. She literally used us. She's like, yeah, we don't have any supplies, but thanks for fixing our water supply. Like, thanks for stopping the bell from attracting undead and fixing our water supply. Oh, by the way, we have nothing. But we know <laughs> we can find some. Oh, man. So then we go back through the sewers because that happens to always be the place we had to go to travel from location to location. Which, I mean, I guess it makes sense. There's probably less zombies there, but... We head through the sewers to Town Hall, and just like the church, the mayor promptly tells us to fuck off, <laughs> and that they don't have supplies that they are barely holding out as is. 
So then they tell us to try to go to the police station where we find that they have made a little base for themselves. Yeah, they were not friendly with us either. Nobody seems to be friendly with us. Like, we're out here, we're like, we're immune, bitches. You should be getting on our good side. Yeah, I don't know why people are so upset with us. Like, they would be like, if I found an immune person, I would be like, all right, we have to get you to a scientist stat because this is our way out. But no, they're just like, yeah, we're going to shoot you up. Like, what? Or if anything, be like, well, if you want supplies, then it's going to have to be a give and take. You Mm -hmm. Like, then I would have been like, I would have been like, all right, you know what? That is fair. We're asking to take precious supplies from you. If we had to do like a mission or two to get it, that would seem reasonable. But right. they're just always like, no, fuck off. Get out of here. And it's like, oh, okay. I would also be really cautious of someone who says they're immune and have bite marks. Because if those bite marks aren't healed up, I would be very skeptical on if they were actually immune. I'd be like, yeah, everyone says they're immune until they're not. So... <laughs> I would be very skeptical of anyone coming into my base. Like, yo, I'm immune. Treat me and, like, give me your supplies. I'd be like, how about you stay in quarantine for 24 hours and then we'll talk. We should have bite marks because if I remember at the very beginning, we were actually bitten a lot yeah. while we were, like, unconscious. So I would I would still be a little skeptical just because I'd be like, is that fake? I've seen things people do with makeup. They make bite marks look real convincing. Yeah, but if we had multiple bite marks, wouldn't that, like, cause the mutation to go quicker because there would be more virus in your body? Yeah, I suppose. It's just, I would I would still want a, a 24-hour quarantine just to be safe. Skeptical. Rather safe than sorry. Maybe maybe they just bit themselves and be like, hey, look, <laughs> I've, I have, I've been bit. You've been I'm bit? I'm immune. I bit myself in the back? <laughs> well, maybe their friends bit them too. Like, yo, you gotta make this look convincing. Get me somewhere I can't bite myself. Uh, those are some good friends that just bite you hard enough that <laughs> chunks of your flesh are missing. <laughs> you know what? You gotta do what you gotta do to survive. That's how you get on people's good side, and then you kill them in their sleep and take all their supplies. <laughs> and that's why no one wants to give us their supplies. <laughs> so... The police station also tells us that they have no supplies they're willing to give over. But once again, they're like, well, hey, there's also supplies in the supermarket. But it's being overrun by, like, thugs, gangs, whatever. I forget what they're called. But hooligans. We'll just call them hooligans. (laughs) And so nothing is ever easy. Not to... The mention, the police here don't treat us very well. They don't trust us and literally won't share any information with us. We were lucky enough to get the location from the supermarket. And if I'm not mistaken, we end up getting it from the cop over like a bottle of whiskey or something. He yeah. pretty much asked us, he's like, if you get me like some alcohol, I'll tell you. And we're like, deal. Deal. Yeah. Be like, really? You want alcohol? We've been just been using this for Maltovs. Like, all right. <laughs> Sure, here you go. Yeah, so once again, we have to travel back through the sewers. And it makes you wonder, like, why aren't people doing this in the first place? But whatever. Anyway, we got to go through the supermarket to to get supplies. But Yeah, it just doesn't make sense because everyone's like, yeah, go, to, go through the sewers and you get to the rich part of town. They have supplies. And everyone's just like, yeah, but we're not going to do it. Like, okay. You guys are lazy. The only thing I could, if I remember correctly, the the only real dangers that I remember facing in the series were just the the people that blew up. Which, mm-hmm. granted, in like confined spaces like a sewer or subway, whatever um, we would be in at the time, would be dangerous. But unless I'm forgetting, I don't remember seeing too many like mutants zombies down there if anything there's only a handful here and there yeah i think it was pretty empty for the most part because we had to drain the sewers so there wasn't a whole lot down there to begin with so once we drained it i think that's when we were actually able to go through but anyway we managed to get to the supermarket and we battled and killed off some looters and stuff we managed to get all the supplies that we needed and we loaded them onto the truck and then we go back through the sewers and Jin leaves the supplies 
or leaves with the supplies. But it's like, why are we even going back through the sewers? Like, we have the supplies. Who cares about the people who treated like sh- uh, treated us like shit? But whatever. So we go to the town hall and find that it's overrun by zombies. Like, didn't we just leave this place? Like, what did they do in the forty five <laughs> minutes that we're gone to get them overrun by zombies? But we managed to clear that out. We managed to go to the police station where they're still treating us like shit to the point where we're like, yeah, you're not getting any supplies from us because why should we help you? And at this point, the heroes are pretty much fed up being the errand boys because like we've been saying, we were so willing to help everybody. And at this point, everyone's looking out for themselves. So why don't we just say fuck them and keep all the supplies to ourselves? But Jin... This girl that we, the mechanic's daughter that we saved, she kind of extorts us because she has all the supplies and she says, hey, I'm just going to leave with the truck if you don't help these people out. And we eventually come to a compromise and say, hey, we're only going to help the church and the lifeguard tower and not the police station because they're shitty people. And Jen, Jen agrees with that because she's like, all right, that's fine. Like, I, at this point, though, like, everyone's treating us like shit. Like, why why not just take the supplies to ourselves? We have a limited supply. Just keep it to ourselves. Like, I totally understand giving it to the lifeguard because they have been literally the only people that oh, have, yeah. like, been nice to us. The church... They saved our lives, really, when we yeah. passed out outside of the hotel. So they, I, they have the camaraderie that I can agree with. Like, they're fine on my books. But, like, the the sister, the the nun... She literally used us to fix their water supply before giving us information that we needed. Like, she's a user, so why not just ditch her? Ditch them. Because it's a church and it's morally wrong. (laughs) Fuck (laughs) them. But I'm glad they decided not to do the police station Mm -hmm. because they literally did treat us like crap the entire time we were there. And I'm just like, whatever. Fuck the police. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> exactly so we finally make it back to the church where we we're going to meet up with Jin and everyone and I don't know if we were just going to leave or like what was our next step <laughs> to be honest we, we just take things as it comes like we don't actually plan anything out we just do and we're actually like, not that smart because we just do what everyone tells us to do they're like yeah over there heard their supplies we're like that's good enough for me let's go yeah, so I'm just kind of curious if, like, what's about to happen didn't happen. What was our hero's plan? Like, meet up? It's like, all right, give them supply. Okay, now Bye. what? <laughs> yeah, like, where are we going to go? We had no idea. So we get back to the church where we were supposed to meet up with Jin, but we find out she has been kidnapped. Because she was trying to do the right thing and bring some supplies to the police station but was captured in the end. So now we had to go on a big rescue mission to get her and the supplies back. Once we find a frightened Jin, we take her and supplies back to the church and the lifeguard tower like we promised. At the tower, we learn of some good and some bad news. The good news is the guy on the radio is still trying to communicate, but the antenna here is not strong enough. Guess what we get to do? We get to go back to the hotel once more to reach a stronger radio where we can finally, excuse me, where we finally get to put a name to the voice that we've been hearing, Ryder White from Benoi Island Defense Force. He informs us he's on the prison island and he has a way off this place. We just need to make a small detour in the forest where there is supposedly a lab working on a cure and get it because his wife has been bitten. Yep. And it's always someone trying to extort us because once again, he has useful information for us, but he won't help us until he uses us. This is just a constant, like abuse of power situation. Like I'm so frustrated at this point, but but before we can do anything, we have to find a guide. So we find someone, or the guide is named Moen. And they, 
So this guide can not only lead us through the forest, but also to the prison because it is surrounded by a minefield. Go figure. Like, we're in a developed world. Surround, and they decide to surround a prison with mines. It just kind of seems like a weird scenario that doesn't really make sense. Not to mention this island is a tourist area. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, (laughs) There's a lot of foot traffic, and any tourist island has boat tours and like going snorkeling and scuba diving, and they're going to riddle their bay with literal mines. Doesn't make sense to me, but for some reason they did that. So we report back to the tower, and luckily there's someone who knows how to get to the jungle through some old World War II bunkers. But of course, everything doesn't line up so easily. We meet up with a village, and their leader, uh, Matutero, he says he can help us get the mowing, but we need a boat. So, oh man, it's just like one mission after another. But um, once we get the boat, he can actually lead us directly to the guide and help get the guide kind of on our side so we need to get supplies from a rival village that was raid that that raided them so we basically have so many missions we need to do to get people on our side but once we actually go and get these supplies back these people actually kept true to their word and took us to moen who we then convinced to lead us to the lab hidden in the forest so this was like a big cluster of you do this for me, I'll get you to to this point, and then we need to do this mission, I can get you to this point. And it was just constant back and forth until finally everything slowly started to line up, and we were able to get all the information we needed, and we got to the lab that hopefully will be able to create the cure for us. Yeah, it was definitely during like this point, and then the back in Mosby, where we had to constantly go to all the other like the town hall, the police station, to the supermarket, all those places just to find, like, do all these things just to get one bit, like, to the main <laughs> story where we're just like, just let us go. Right. This was, like, the time that would be perfect if you wanted to do side quests to kind of, like, do them because the story mission would have you going back and forth so many times that. You might as well do some side missions to like level yourself up so that way once you get to the final thing you can kind of just go for it with it but it definitely gives you almost like an mmo vibe where it's like oh all right go here but in order to go here you must help out this person who then tells you to help out this person who's like all right i'll help you but first you must do this and then it's like mm-hmm it's yes. like 20 quests are going on at once, but then it's like, once you finish one, you finish one, and then it's like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, and then you it was a very frustrating part of the game, just because we're out in the woods, and I don't know, it just feels so repetitive almost. Even though the missions are different, it did feel a little bit repetitive, but I think that was just the nature of coming towards the end of the game itself. Yeah, not to mention, can we... Go back to the fact that, all right, so apparently Juan Benoit, which is a big touristy area, hence why they called it like a luxurious hotel. There was this big party. Now there is a prison on a separate island that's, (laughs) I guess, part of this too because that prison is surrounded by all water. Not to mention now there are native tribes just living here. Yeah, it's just like right, How right big through the forest, air? right? Like, what? Like the scale you're... of this island must be huge. Because you're telling me they've never had any like the corporations and native tribes have never like fought with each other or anything. Not to mention that they let a lab get built there, like right, like it's this research facility in this area that has native tribes. And a giant resort. Like, I would be suspicious that this lab was doing experiments on the natives because it's it's tucked away into the forest. So what are you doing here? I would be suspicious that they actually started this virus. That would be my conspiracy theory if I was in this world. 
Right, like, so, if, like, obviously, if you were a tourist, you probably would never have learned any of this, but, like, as the character, you had to start wondering, like, what the fuck is this with this island? Because <laughs> you got to remember, they also have their own defense force, mm-hmm. too. Like, what the fuck goes on? Yeah, what is this place? <laughs> so, anyways, getting a little bit back on track. Moen takes us to the lab, and once we are there, we meet up with Dr. Robert West, who has been trying to develop a cure. With some blood samples from us, since we are immune, he can take his discovery further, but we also need blood samples from some of the natives who seem to be immune to the virus as well. Once all the samples are here, he proclaims he will be able to make a cure but he needs a blood sample from a native that has not had any interaction with the infection. I forget why he tells us. Yeah, like, I can't remember that. That didn't really make sense to me. Maybe he needs he, just like a pure sample so we can see what the genetic makeup is. Because maybe when they eat the sample, it changes or something. I don't know. It seemed kind of weird, but I can't remember the exact reason. Because it was like the whole tribe, like the whole native people... Because he found out, like, through his research, he found out, like, a disease, the disease is some sort of, like, advanced rabies or something it's, like that. It's like, that, um, it's a prion similar to a mad, mad cow disease, he said, but for humans. That's what it was. Yeah. But it's been existent on this island before, but the natives are already been immune to it or something like that. So when this virus hit, it didn't really affect them at all. Like, I think maybe one or two people have got it, but, like, it didn't really affect them. So that's why they need it from someone who's not had any with the infection because then he can compare the blood samples and, I guess, see, like, which antibodies are the ones that are, like, suppressing it or something like that. So luckily, again, because plot armor basically (laughs) (laughs) the native tribe practices the method of embalming which is if you don't know basically mummifying their bodies so we just need to ask the witch doctor because all native tribes have like a shaman (laughs) a witch doctor (laughs) of the tribe to take us to the burial ground which again you would think Generally, for like tribes like this, it's a very sacred place. But then they're just like, "Yeah, we'll take you." Yeah, I. Once again, it's just like some of the things about this storyline. I think this is why there was some critique to the game because at this point, this isn't a relatable game anymore because no one can relate to going to the forest, finding a native tribe, and then just allying with them, and then being like, "Yeah, come to our sacred holy ground." No problem. We'll let strangers step step foot onto there. Like, it's just not a very relatable story at this point. If I'm not mistaken, even like when we got to the forest to where the tribes are and trying to get to the bear, we only had to do like one quest or something mm-hmm. to like prove our worth. And it yeah, was they, like they made us fight some zombies in a, an arena. Yeah, but they didn't take our weapons away from us, so we had like guns and machetes and shit. Like, if you're gonna prove that you're a true warrior fight these people with your bare hands or give us the, like the same like wooden club or something right. like that yeah but anyways once we finally get to the burial ground we find yerma i think it's how you pronounce her name a girl pretty much that was left for dead for i believe it was like some kind of ritual purpose I honestly kind of forget why, but we see the witch doctor tries to kill her, but we end up killing them instead, and then to, like, thank us, she offers her help, so we bring Yerma back to the lab to help find the cure. Yeah, so, of course, things once again don't go smooth for us because the world is out to get us. On the way back, Moen was attacked, and... Uh, we actually help fend off the undead, and we do end up making it safely back to the lab. But now Dr. West can take the sample from this girl and begin working on a cure. And now Moen agrees to be our guide after saving his life for a second time. So, but, but in order to do so, we need to get a f- few things, of course. So, one, 
we need to get sort of like a gift to the person controlling the prisoners. This guy is named Titus. And in order to get this gift, we once again have to go back to the resort to fuel up the boat, grab some poles and stuff, you know, to, to play real life minesweeper. We need poles to push away the mines. And we also, once we have the preparations done, we can head to the prison. Psych. Yeah, we're not actually ready to go to the prison yet because Ryder calls us over the walkie to explain that he hears screams at the lab. So it's like when everything finally starts to work out for us, it just doesn't work out for us. Apparently the doctor was planning to take all of the girl's blood that we delivered to her. So she ended up locking herself in a cage to escape. And when he tries to open the cage through like an automated locking system, he accidentally undoes every single cage and as we know, the cages um, hold zombies. So the rest is pretty much history. She survived because she was hidden away. But luckily, he did seem to have finished one of the vaccine. Just one single one. So, you know, we're going to take it because he has no use for it as a dead man. So we take this file and now we can head to the prison. So... Things finally might be looking up. We get to the prison and we meet up with Titus, who agrees to let us through if we help him with a few things. Go figure this wouldn't be the game we've been playing for the past couple hours if we didn't have to do another errand mission. So we have to just we have to do what they want, because at this point we're at a prison that is being run by this super crazy guy controlling all the prisoners. We really don't have a choice at this point. Do we want to turn around and go back through a minefield where we just use brooms to push them out of our path? <laughs> Doesn't really seem like the smartest option at this point. So we kind of have to do what he says. And talking about the whole, like, realism thing, let's go back to that cage situation. When we <laughs> meet her, she yeah. is in a cage that has, like, holes you could easily fit your, like, hand through. What's to stop them just from tying her down in the cage and just literally taking all her blood from right then and there? Yeah. Or just killing her and then just taking, taking her blood, blood from her body like that. Yeah, it doesn't really... And what's the point of taking all her blood? Just take some, store it, keep it cool, let her produce more blood in a couple weeks, take some more. You have an infinite supply of her blood. Why? Why not just keep her alive if you need the blood because once you drain her her blood's one-time use this doctor isn't using his head you're in a world with limited supplies at this point you can't get off this island work with what you got but i mean you also have the pressure that the the pandemic or the whole thing is coming down you don't know how secure the place is so you may not be thinking oh two weeks ahead you're probably just taking some blood trying trying out something and then taking more blood to try out another way because if you had like 10 ways you think possible to cure diseases but then you have to wait two weeks every time you try like three different ones to wait for the blood you never know like the vaccine or the virus could get worse so instead you're trying to take it all at once i suppose but But as long as the virus is contained to an island i think it should be fine i don't know also another thing is did that computer not open her cage? Yeah, that I don't get. Did, or did she just, like, reshut the cage? And I if she know. did that, why didn't the zombies come after her? Like I said, it's not a very secure cage. The zombies could easily have, like, either ripped her to shreds or bitten her. Right. Plot armor. <laughs> Maybe but... they had no interest in, in her. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they... I was about to say, maybe they knew she was mean, but then why are the zombies still attacking us throughout the game? True. But, anyways, while we're in the prison, we're set up to, like, unlock some doors or something to, for, like, to get weapons or some shit like that. So, we end up meeting a guy named Kevin, who helps us out to unlock the doors because he was, like, a hacker or 
I don't know if he ever tells us, but I you can assume he was a hacker. And he seems a bit calmer than the rest. But as we were about to do the final mission where Titus will let us go, Ryder calls us once again and tells us not to listen to him and that he is a terrorist. And if we get the weapons he asked for, the whole island is in danger. Because apparently every prisoner on this place knows how to get through the minefield. Because how else, <laughs> like, if they got guns, whoop de do, they're still stuck on the prison with mines and yeah. zombies. I don't understand how they would take over. And it doesn't really make sense. So say, sure, these people are prisoners. You, There's a whole argument of morality there and, and stuff like that. But you have to think, in a world where there's an apocalypse going on, and you have to fight for your life. Do you really want to make enemies with every other living person on this island? I think even if these people are blood-crazed murderers, I'm sure they would be like, all right, maybe we shouldn't just be murdering willy-nilly because we can go kill zombies instead. Like, I feel like their first thought isn't to just annihilate mankind on Benoy. I think they're they're definitely making these prisoners, like, giving them... They're not giving them the benefit of the doubt. And... <laughs> I just feel like that's the lowest priority on someone's list right now. I mean, I feel like they would use them to hunt the zombies, but like, depending on how it goes, they may like this isolation and may try to do that. But I mean, with all the other different factions on the island, and there's it has to be a limited number of weapons you tell me a prison just kept a full arsenal <laughs> of weapons there like i don't feel like that's very smart if they did yeah but anyways once he tells us he goes there's actually another way so why didn't you tell us this before <laughs> why did you decide to wait until we had to arm the terrorists that you're like wait there's actually another way you can go Oh, jeez. If only you did that three missions earlier. <sighs> so, so, anyways, as we were, we were going off on this mission, we had to leave the girls in their group, Jin and Yerma, behind as collateral because he didn't want us, like, escaping with the guns. And so Ryder informs us that we will meet up with them as he has a way of getting them. Again, how does he have all this? How can he do this? Why didn't he do this in the first place? Because he's a dick. That's why. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so we listened to him, and what do you know? He was actually telling the truth. We meet up with them near the ele elevator, but we learned that a riot had happened in the canteen, which also caused the undead to break in, and during the escape, Moen sacrificed himself so the two could get away. Now left with no choice, they enter the elevator to finally meet with Ryder to get off this godforsaken place. Okay, hold on. I just want to know, how did the zombies get here? We're on an island prison. Did, did someone go to this freaking hotel party last night and get bitten and be like, well... It's 6.45, got to go to work at the prison, and then just go to the prison and infect everyone. Like, I don't think you'd be going to a hotel rager one night and then be going to your maximum security prison job <laughs> the next morning before the virus takes over. It just doesn't make sense. Does Do the zombies know how to get through the minefield? Because that would be wild. It just doesn't make sense. The only plausible thing, and this is even a stretch, that I could think of happen was either the the other island defense force that Ryder was with, they got bit and they willingly locked themselves up so they were already like in a like isolated section in the prison. They because Moen knew how to get in and out of the prison, and it seemed like he did it a few times to get them supplies. True. He brought cargo, yeah. like people that happened, like that didn't tell them that they were bitten, because you know that always happens. <laughs> so that could happen, but like 
they made it sound like there was like hundreds of them and i can't see how that would be possible because even if they would say like a handful like five to ten because if you count like security guards or other people that were trying to help people and kind of like escaped here because it was an island they thought Mm -hmm. they would be safe even if they locked them up i don't think there would be that many people because even if the they bit the prisoners with everything going on i'm sure it would be chaos but I don't yeah. think it would be maybe, that many Zamblites. Maybe, like you said, someone came on the island who was infected and didn't tell anyone and then changed. And maybe they attacked and people locked them in a certain area and all the people inside of there got infected and they were stuck, maybe. I don't know. Just the sheer quantity seems to be a little suspicious. Yeah, if it was only a few, I could see it and it would definitely cause confusion because... You wouldn't know how many zombies are, and especially the group divided into two and were fighting, and the next thing you know, zombies came and yeah, everything. It, all hell would have definitely broken loose. I'm not saying that, but yeah, the exaggeration of zombies is just what I'm curious, because like you said, how the fuck did they get over? Yeah, doesn't make sense. We had to go through the ringer to help out 17 different native tribes to get here, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is it? Who is over here helping all these tribes to get right. a ride to here, and then doing all these missions? Because Titus would be like, "Oh, do all this." Like, who's doing this besides us? Doesn't make sense. But either way, we get on that elevator to go meet Ryder and get off this godforsaken place, like you already mentioned, and everything fades to black. Or credits it- roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or what it seems, since we wake up to a somewhat familiar face, Kevin, and he informs us that we were gassed and left unconscious, and the vial that was containing the cure was missing. So Ryder gassed us so that he could steal the medicine and run off. Kevin tells us that there is a helicopter coming to take him away and get his wife to safety. So now we must hurry to the roof, and we have a little bit of time since he had to go to the hospital to section to grab his wife so we're about halfway through the prison which has much more zombies but it's the faster route to reach the top so we we gotta go through it because like we said before more zombies how'd they get here who knows we don't ask questions we just kill them so we're here and we fight through his soldiers and undead until we finally make it to the top and We've killed them all, and we have to stop him from getting into the helicopter. So he's, we're, there's like a gunpoint battle going on. Like, he's all about this cure. He's going to take it off the island, and he's going to get them to replicate it. He's going to save the world. And we see that his hospital, his wife is tied to a hospital bed, and she is fully turned into a zombie. So that kind of sucks, but whatever. She's no use to us, and... I don't know. We don't really care. At this point, we're all just like, it's every man for themselves. So he says he's going to go to Australia where the scientists there can make a cure and save everyone. But as Kevin already told us, his real plan is to just nuke this island and leave no trace behind. How does he have that much pull that he can just get someone to drop a nuke on an island that seems like it goes against like the Geneva Convention or something? I don't know doesn't seem like you're just going to be able to pull those strings that easily but he says he'll do it but um we're at a standstill until Jin manages to unleash the his zombified wife that bites Ryder and he has to he's forced to kill her which is kind of the impasse that we were hoping for because that's the only way that we're gonna get his guard down so He's angry, and he actually shoots Jin, not once, but twice, maybe more. I don't quite remember, but she falls off the roof and dies. So, sucks to be Jin. After all that, we couldn't even fulfill um, her father's wishes of keeping her safe. He made us a sweet-ass truck, and we let his daughter die. But whatever. She screwed us over a couple times. That's fine. So, having been bitten, he actually takes the cure and injects it into himself. Except it doesn't quite work. It instead turns him into a mutated zombie. So instead of taking a couple hours to transform, he immediately transforms. And 
yeah, he's a monster that we have to take down. Finally get to the boss battle, and like you said, it's just like this huge glorified mutated zombie that if you had, like, Pretty sure there's like a whole bunch of like propane tanks around that you could use to help mm-hmm. like explode. And then this is also where I think if you were Perna, it helps because it's a lot easier to shoot him with firearms than yeah. <laughs> try to melee his ass. Yeah, because he's a monster. Yeah, it was actually. Is I'm trying to think. Was it this one? There was one game where I was supposed to fight this like almost like final boss guy and and i end up killing him in 30 seconds kind of out of sheer dumb luck and i can't remember if it was from this because it was like i hit a propane tank i think i hit him with like five or six propane tanks and i don't think the game really thought you would be able to land all six of them and then it was like i own and then like he died moments later like (laughs) the final boss battle wasn't anything strong i think that's also uh was the critique for this game was you got to the final boss battle and then it was like all you all you really had to do was just run around and shoot because there was plenty of places kind of like hide so it wasn't it didn't feel very final bossy he wasn't much different from a goon like one of the strong zombies he wasn't that much more difficult from them like the fighting style, yeah, for he sure. Was maybe a little, he was a lot more tanky, but other than that, he was basically an amped up goon. Yeah, he had definitely maybe just quicker had a so. lot more HP. But even with his quick, if you were like, as long as you weren't just backpedaling, if you just ran for a few seconds, you'd get out of his range enough to hit him, run, hit, run, hit, run, hit without yeah. any like difficulty because he would always just chase you. He didn't have any, like, range attack. He didn't, like, change anything. So it was just like, all right, just run, hit, run, hit, run, hit. And that's all you had to do. So after they are able to kill Ryder, apparently the the copter guy was like, you know what? You just killed my commanding officer. But, yeah, I'll take you out because instead of this whole fighting. Besides, oh, wait, no, I don't think there was a pilot because Kevin ends up uh, driving. Oh, yeah, you're right. But that it. So was he going to pilot? And if he was, are you telling me he turned on the helicopter, got off to load his wife in, and then like again, it doesn't make sense. Like or we did just he happened the to get there. We happened to get there right when he was jumping like outside of it. It just doesn't make sense. The timing is not there. But as we get in the helicopter, it is flown by Kevin, where we. Hear the news of the outbreak over the radio. Also, I just wanted to note that it pointed out that they mentioned that an international hacker had been trapped in the prison. Maybe a bit foreshadowing? (laughs) Who knows? But they were able to finally fly out of the island. Yeah, 100%. they They would have been shot down. That helicopter would have immediately been shot out of the sky if they were coming from Benoit flying into modern society where the outbreak hasn't hit yet they'd be like yeah this is radio tower 486 uh helicopter 9 where are you coming from oh we're coming from Benoit. yeah um get the fire jets ready <laughs> no 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 with their game logic they would have been like oh perfect all right land at this hospital where we already have a whole bunch of people densely packed in this location just in case you're infected. We yeah. want to keep you where there's a whole bunch of people and easily have the outbreak spread. Yeah. Doesn't quite make sense. They would definitely be like, yeah, you're going to have to turn that helicopter around. You cannot land here. And then they all die. And then that's the end of the series. Congratulations. You win. Yeah. At least you didn't die to zombies. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much the end of the game. And so for my question of the day would be kind of a two-parter. I guess it could be more one would be what is your favorite 
weapon to use and mod to go with it. Hmm, that's a good one. I basically liked anything electric. I was about to say I do. I didn't know what the name was, but I looked it up. Uh, it's called the Inviscerator, which is the legendary what was a Kosh Wazazaski. Nailed it. It's the <laughs> it's the katana. It's basically the katana. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I think the katana was one of my favorites too, just because it was such a fast and clean weapon. And then yeah. just getting at anything electric or fire damage, I absolutely loved. There was a Death Stalker mod that, because I was looking it up, that is the best thing to with Genmei with th- that weapon with the Death Stalker mod gives you the highest damage output because it gives you four. It has a four times poison damage modifier and Holy an increased shit. critical chance of. Six percent to the weapon. The only downfall is that the mod requires the use of a stingray tail, which may be hard to find, and the weapon can get expensive to maintain because that katana did have low durability but very high output mm-hmm. damage. Huh. But yeah, I would say definitely. I think I use more the electric mods, but definitely I did go towards the plated weapons towards the end. The only downside with electric mods is when the zombies died and they're still electrified, if you walk over them, you get hurt. Oh, yeah. That was annoying. Yeah. I think it's the same with fire, too, honestly. I think it was, too. But either way, though, it was still it still immensely helped with fighting different peoples. So, since that is the end, let's sign off with some facts. And the first fact is a one-issue comic book version of the series was released by Marvel Comics, which I thought was very interesting. And I looked it up, and it's legit and actually exists. And I thought that was just really cool that Marvel Comics took the time to allow someone to go through publishing or whatever through their um So you tell company. me <laughs> when... New York was being destroyed by Thanos. Hanoi yes. could have also been being destroyed by zombies at the same time, and none of them fuckers decided to help the zombie apocalypse. Precisely. Thor had better things to do than to help the people of Benoit. Stark couldn't have just been like, yo, send some people over there, go he had he could easily make another fucking suit that's Listen, automatic. I was and gonna just say been st- like <laughs> I was just about to say, he didn't even have to send anybody. He, in like one of the movies, he had an army of empty suits. Though so oh. at the end, he like destroys them all, but still, he could have built another one and just been like, yo, go kill all the zombies. So let's be real. It's Marvel's fault that yeah. Benoit happened. The Avengers are a menace. Thanos was right. He did nothing wrong. <laughs> the Avengers is a plague. So I wonder, did this take before or after the snap? Would, oh, it's got to be before happened, the snap. I was about to say, would that have happened to see some of your zombies just disappear? That would be quite interesting. Does does the snap work on dead people? Because if it didn't, it, then it would snap half of the living people away, and then you'd still have the same number of zombies. So really, the zombies just got twice as powerful. Or... Flip side, if it did work on the zombies, and when they re-snapped to bring everything oh back, the zombies just oh, came no. back. Five years later, everyone's chilling in Benoit, and they're like, man, you remember the massacre of Benoit? Yeah, and then all of a sudden, zombies appear. It's like, oh, fuck. It's all over again. <laughs> Same hotel room, too. God, Run. why do we keep coming here? Oh, God. That would be hilarious. But tragic. So, so tragic. Be a anyway, great ass comic. it would be. Anyway, another fact for us is Jian Mei is the only hero to actually appear in every Dead Island game, and I think that is also including the spin-off games. So I thought that was interesting. And then all the gas stations on the island have at least one price tag listed as six dollars and sixty-six cents. So that's pretty fun. That's expensive-ass gas. Who the fuck yeah, is buying that? you know what? Maybe they have, like, tax imports and stuff. 
and I'm pretty sure like in Europe, the gas is like super fucking expensive over there. So maybe they got imported from the Europe. I don't know. I don't even know where Benoit technically is. I don't know either. Let's see. It's probably close to Australia. So they say it's located off of the coast of Papua New Guinea, which is south of the equator and just north of Australia. So I'm sure Australia's got some expensive gas too. So maybe that's that. I'm just gonna blame it on Australia. Oh yeah. That's why they got expensive gas. So anyway, that'll be it from us today. So don't forget to show us some love and support at patreon.com slash weebswan if you haven't already. And, of course, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at weebswan. And you can contact us at weebswan at gmail.com. That'll be it from us today. I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we will see you guys next time when we weebspawn.